So at this time, I'm going to hopefully uh, embarrass uh, and invite up uh, some of our seniors. If you're a graduating senior from high school, please, uh, please come up. And we're going to honor them today. If you guys just want to line up, I'm going to let them uh, introduce themselves and uh, say what they're going to do once they graduate. You can go first? Yeah. Nice. My name is Isaac Collins. Uh, I'm going to go to SU and be a lineman. My name is Lauren Compton. I'm going to SBU to study exercise science. My name is Sierra McCarthy. I'm going to Oklahoma to go to beauty school. My name is Weston Wallace. I'm going to Fort Scott for construction management. My name is Wilson Miller. I'm going to Pitt State to study automotive technology. My name is Blaine Michael. I'll be going to uh, Missouri State to do IT infrastructure. I'm Gabby Miller, and I'm also going to Missouri State, and I will be majoring in public relations. I'm Matthew Morgan. I'm going to attend Crowder College and study plant and animal science. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And as, uh, as Jennifer and Don are presenting them with the Bible, we had a couple seniors uh, from Jasper that are on their senior trip. Um, if Sandy wants to pull, pull them up. We had three more. One is Andrew Dunlap. He's entering the workforce. And he's entering the workforce. And we have Tate Manable. Also entering the workforce. Also entering the workforce. And Destiny Stewart. She will be attending MSSU. And she'll be going to MSSU. So we had a, a bunch of seniors this year. And uh, this is just a few of them. But we thank you guys. So um, if you guys want to come up and, and come around these seniors, we're going to pray for them. Um, and, and we're going to send them out. But Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we just thank you for these seniors, Lord, who have uh, took the journey through school, Father, and, and Lord, that you have uh, placed a special calling or something uh, in their life, Lord, uh, that you have asked them to do, Father, and we thank you that they have been uh, seeking you and, and seeking your will for their life, Father, and that, uh, that plan that you have instilled, Lord, that, that you have had from, for them from the very beginning, Lord, since they were in their mother's womb. And Father, we thank you that they're growing into uh, adults who are going to go out in this world, and, and I believe that our generation is going to be the one that's going to change this world, Father. And Lord, I just pray that your hand of favor would be on them, Lord, that uh, their relationship with you is the priority in their life, Father, and that nothing and no one can take that away from them. And so, Father, we just ask for your special covering. Lord, we ask for, for your love uh, on them on their, in this journey that they're taking, Father. And Lord, we just ask that you would be with them more than anything else and that their relationship with you would be priority. And Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for the calling you placed on their life, Lord. And, and Lord, we just ask your blessing on them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Good morning, church. You may be seated. I'm so uh, excited to be with y'all here this morning. Um, I always feel that it's a great blessing when I get to share the love of Jesus Christ, his gospel, his good news, and uh, so I'm excited about it. You know, um, sometimes um, when you get an opportunity like this, you, you um, start searching out for what it is that you might share in this time, church. I asked God, I said, God, give to me, give to me knowledge. Give me something rare. Give me something spectacular Give me something extraordinary. And he said, use what you already have. 
I said, Lord, I want a message for your people, for your church, that is going to be something that furthers your kingdom, that is revolutionary. And he says, teach them what you know. So this morning, I entitled the message, Each One Reach One, really a very basic, super, super simple concept. Whitney, what'd you do to that boy? Each one reach one, simple enough, probably doesn't need a lot of explanation, but as you can imagine, if each of us reached one more for the kingdom of God, that that would have a significant impact. However, when we look holistically at the the job of our lives, of ministry, it can seem almost overwhelming or daunting to the point that sometimes we don't do the most basic of things because it can seem too big. And so this morning, I want to teach, I don't call it preach, but I want to teach on the four pillars of effective ministry. Before we go on, I want to ask for a little bit of participation here this morning. How many of you are here because someone poured into your life, spoke into your life, shared with you, and encouraged you in the faith? The same six. The truth is, probably most or all of us are here because someone took the time, put out the effort, cared enough to be able to make sure that we knew the good news. Truth? How many here believe that it is our calling to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world? Is it the job of the pastors? You know, I'm going to remind you of the word this morning. It says to us to be prepared in and out of season to give a reason for the hope that is within us, right? Also remind you in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus delivers the great commission to his disciples, he says, go into all of the world. You know, when God answered me, do what you already know, I took it as a word of condemnation at first because He didn't want to give me something new. But you know, the reality is, church, we have to be action. And I believe that this church is in a season ready for action. It has been unbelievable in our um, tenure here at Oakton to see some amazing things, to see how many people have been called and have gone out to ministry in other churches, in other regions. It has been amazing. But I believe that we are entering a season and time for action. How many of you would like to leave here today more equipped, more prepared to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world? Yeah, I like it. I like it. So this morning, we're going to work on um, the four pillars of effective ministry. 
But before we do, I'd like to say a word of prayer to kick us off. Bow with me if you would. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just call to you this morning as our awesome and mighty God. Father, I would ask that you would be with us, that your Holy Spirit would be present, that, Father, you would just overwhelm us with your goodness and your glory. Father, that you would uh, reach deep into our hearts, that you would inspire us and give us passion for the lost and dying world. Father, I thank you for each life that's walked through the doors today. Father, I believe that you purpose them to be here. And Father, I just pray that you give them open ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for them today. We just thank you and praise you and give you all glory in the holy and precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we get into the first pillar, I want to talk about a couple of principles that I think that we need to understand. If you'll notice, it uh, is talking about the power of duplication, and the very first number in the upper left-hand section of that says 300. The reason that I chose the number 300 is that's about the average attendance that we have on Sunday morning services, and so that represents us, right? And so I'm going to give you a quiz, see how good you are at math. If each one reached one, we would have how many? 600. I heard somebody say 300. Okay, so isn't that amazing? Simple. I mean, if I, if I literally interviewed each one of you and said, is it possible that you could reach someone Invite them to church, bring them with you, lead them. It doesn't seem undaunt. It doesn't seem that big a deal, does it? If each one reached one, we'd be sitting here next week trying to figure out how to open up the backside of this and we could barely fit enough chairs to be able to host the people. Church, if that same duplication happened again, that the 600 reached one, what would the number be? By the way, if you'll notice on the right-hand side of the slide that you can see, it's also going to talk to you about the power of duplication. Anybody ever heard that if you take a penny and you double it every day for 30 years, how much do you come up with? Believe it or not, you can go do the math. Uh, Troy is still um, running numbers against me to see if I'm correct. But it's 5368912 cents. One penny doubled... Every day for 30 days. A penny. 5,368,790.12. That's a lot, isn't it? Go Google it. You can find out. That's the power of duplication. Next slide. But the truth is, before we get into the pillars, we have to understand that people must be reached not by the way necessarily that we choose to reach them, but where their need is. You see, church, for some people, they're looking for something. They need to be ministered to spiritually. You know what? Some people aren't ready to be ministered to spiritually. We have to be able to meet them where they are. For some people, this is physically 
Maybe they're struggling and they need someone who can care and to help mend them. Maybe even it is um, a situation that they need connection, connectivity, and friends. How many of you here use Facebook? Do you see how many people post what they're having for lunch? We are living in a world to where people need to be connected. They have a desire. They may not know how to do it. I've heard it said many times, if you have five good friends, you live a very blessed life. We have people who need, who need to be reached socially. We have people outside of this church who need to be reached emotionally. You know, disease and hurt and pain can be physical, but it also is very much emotional. And there are people that need our edification, that need the healing that only we can provide. And then, of course, there's financial. Um, Those are the general aspects of the needs that people have that have to be met. And I want to tell you, keep those in mind as we start to go through the pillars of effective ministry because we have to have in mind that the people that we are reaching have these various needs. Let's go to the first pillar. I um, named the first pillar foundation. I think it's fair to say that if you don't have the right foundation, whatever you build upon it is not solid, right? I mean, Christ even gave us a parable about uh, building uh, with a sand foundation. You know, it's not going to last. And so we have to lay the very proper foundation in order for us to achieve what we hope. Um, You guys have probably heard me in in past times, uh, I I tend to use the word why a lot, and I think it's something that maybe I haven't done a good job explaining what I mean by why, or why it is so important to understand. In this first pillar of foundation, I put why as the very first and primary thing for us to do. And so if I said to you, what is your why? Why? might seem like kind of a weird question, but I'm going to tell you that one of the purposes of developing your why is that it's easy to give up. It's easy to become tired. It's easy to become frustrated. And so your why has to be bigger than any fear that you have. It has to be something more important than anything that would distract you. Now, for some, I'll give you a few examples. For some, it might be, Because I want to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe for others, their why is the realization that Jesus Christ died just for you. Maybe for others, their why is because they have a passion for people and that they desire greatly to be able to see those lives impacted. But I'm going to tell you something. The easiest thing that you can do today is to walk away from here and not develop your why. 
And I, when I say develop, I honestly will tell you that I think that it needs to be so solid in you, whether it's written down or whatever it is, as something that you can go back to at any point and have a new invigorated reason for continuing in whatever it is you're doing. And this just doesn't apply to ministry. To persevere, to become successful, to whatever it is, we have to develop our why. I also listed goals separately than why, because to me, a why is not about goals. To me, goals are something that are set both short and long-term for what we want to achieve, and they're vitally important. If we do not have goals, we don't know whether we're hitting the mark. Um, After first service this morning, I I got to visit with Joel for a a few moments, and and he was telling me about... uh, uh, Tate and uh, the fact that his team had qualified for nationals in archery, which is an awesome thing, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing. Can you imagine if Tate's archery team got uh, there at nationals competition and they do this, but they're not aiming at anything in particular? Yeah, they probably wouldn't score very good, would they? And so I believe that we have to have a target that guides and directs us to the direction that we want to go, but also gives us a way to look and to see, are we aiming, are we pointing, are we being intentional about the thing that we want? Now, so let me give you a couple of examples of a long and short-term goal. This is not your goals. This is just an example of long and short-term goals. My short-term girl... Girl... Yeah. God likes fun, right? Amen? A example of a short-term goal might be that I'm going to invite and bring to church with me another couple. Great short-term goal, right? A long-term goal might be both corporately or individually things, such as maybe as a church, we say, we want to reach a thousand lives for Christ over the next 12 months. But you know what? I can also have a personal long-term goals as well. I know that when we read from the scripture, Jesus talks about the seed that dies and comes back and, and some are producing how many? 30, 60, and a hundredfold. John Houghton often talks about the term fold, and they don't give him enough time to talk. And so, so I'm, I'm just going to say this. When we looked at that power of duplication before, that's what he's referring to when he's saying fold. He's not talking about something small and say, hey, you know what? We, we, we uh, as a church body, we... still amazing when any life comes to Christ. But if we look at that power, it is very, very unimaginable how great it becomes. And the third item that I put on the foundation is list. The reason that I put that on there is because I believe it's as important as the first two. If we only walk out of this place and whenever we have chance or opportunity, we share the goodness of God and the amazing experience of Oakton with people, I believe that we're missing, missing out on a lot. 
I believe all of us know people who have needs that could be met and answered by the blood of Christ and the experience of being part of this body. And I think it's vitally important that we begin to create what I'll call a living list. Those are the people that we're going to be praying over, the people that we're going to be aware of opportunity. And I believe that we need to develop that list if we're going to have opportunity to reach the most amount of people for the kingdom of God. Got it? Make sense? Pillar two. Pillar two is preparation. Sometimes it's good to just want to go, but we also not only have to lay the right foundation for what it is that we're going to do, but we also have to go through a period of preparation. The very first item that I put on the list is testimonies, and notice that that is a plural word. The reason that I say that is, I believe it's not just good enough for us to have a testimony of how we received Christ. I believe that we need to be able to share the goodness of God, how he is working and moving in our lives, in our church, and in all the places that people can relate to. When we began, we said, not everybody is ready to be ministered to spiritually. Sometimes they need us to be able to minister to them where they are in life. And as a result of that, we have to be prepared to share our personal testimony in those points of contact and in those moments. A term that you may not have heard before. How many here have ever heard the term go-giver? One. Two. Thank you, Michael. I knew that you'd have it. Believe it or not, a go-giver sounds like an action, but it's actually a preparation. It's a mindset. It's a change of focus away from me to the needs of someone else. And so the purpose of being a go-giver is that if I'm focused on giving you what you need, the results come from that willingness. That's a different concept. I'm going to say it one more time. I don't mean to bore you, but I want to make sure that we get this. A go-giver stops focusing on themselves and starts focusing on the needs of others. The last thing that I'm going to say, and not that prayer should ever be last, but I believe as part of our preparation that prayer is a fundamental element of this. Maybe it should even be a pillar of its own. You know, I don't want to make a why that doesn't align with God's. I don't want to make a list that doesn't have the people on it that he wants me to reach or be missing someone. I don't want to miss out on what he has in store because you know what? I believe God is for us. I believe that God wants to see. I mean, think of this, church. Does God want to see everyone come into salvation? Are we sure? Doesn't matter, young, old, male, female, live in Europe, live in the United States, 
speak Spanish, English? Is there any division with God? Or are we all the child of God? Okay. One of the other purposes of prayer is because often we don't have ability to dream like God dreams. You know what I mean? My thoughts are not His thoughts. My ways are not His ways. God is above and beyond anything that we can comprehend, and He may have something for you in this mission that's larger than what you ever thought was possible. Pillar number three. Pillar three is passion. I believe that it's a fundamental pillar because if we ever hope to reach someone, they have to see that it's in us and through us and that it's coming out of us. You know, when Jesus said at the well, I'll give you living water that will flow, you won't thirst anymore. I believe that we have to grow a passion. And I don't mean that we pump ourselves up to excitement. I mean that we're truly passionate that we desire to see people come into relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we have it really made. If you think about this church, what's the greatest news of all? That Jesus came and died in our place. Where's the greatest place you can come and worship? I mean, it's not like we're promoting an inferior product or another concept of how you can be at peace with yourself. This is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Awesome. So, situational awareness is an item I have on this. Man, I'm terrible at this. Sometimes I don't want to go meet people where they have need. I want to get out of the Walmart checkout line and get out of the store quickly. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm selfish. Sometimes I can even justify it because, you know, this is getting something for dinner and everybody would be starving if I don't hurry up and get it done. I've even saw someone coming that was the right situation and went down a different aisle just so that I didn't have to bypass them. Am I the only heathen here? I believe that God when we lay the foundation and when we become prepared, that God is going to put people in our path. I believe that we have to be situationally aware of what is happening in front of us so that we can share. How many times have we missed an opportunity that was right in front of us? I'm going to tell you a really quick uh, story of a uh, person that, um, was, I'm going to call an acquaintance. You know, not a friend, didn't dislike them, but we weren't necessarily close. One day, years ago, I was playing golf, and I knew that this person didn't have anything to do with church at all. I didn't know what his, 
relationship with God is, but, you know, from the um, evidence, you know, what likelihood is he wasn't a believer if he wasn't involved in, in experiencing God inside of the church and stuff. And so he asked to join me playing golf. And that man went on to tell me how devastated that he was because his best friend had killed himself. You know what? I listened. Hey, sorry about that. Hope you're feeling better. Time will mend all wounds, you know, that kind of stuff. And that day, driving home, the Holy Spirit pierced my heart and said, you weren't situationally aware. You weren't prepared in and out of season to give the reason for hope that was within you. God is going to put those in front of you, and I will only tell you this. When you fail at them, look for the next one. You know, that's the amazing grace that we have, is that even when we fail, we get the next chance and the next chance and the next chance. But I will tell you this much. There may be people on your list that's not on anybody else's list. Wow, little responsibility. God, in his infinite wisdom, decided to leave it up to you and I whether someone heard the gospel or not. Seems kind of crazy to me, right? He left it to us to determine if we were going to share with a lost and dying world the good news of Jesus Christ. The next item I put was Holy Spirit-led. Boy, I tell you what, um, it's wonderful that we have a partner in this. We have a comforter. We have a revealer. We have a helper and a worker that I believe can go on before us and can do things to soften hearts and to prepare situations before we even utter a word. You know, when I say situationally aware and Holy Spirit led, I believe that they could easily be one and the same bullet. If I'm in tune with what the Holy Spirit has to say to me and I'm paying attention with these senses that God gave me, I can be in a position to meet someone's needs at the time that they need them met. And then I put persistence as the final element of this pillar. What if the person that influenced you or persons that influenced you in your relationship with Jesus Christ or getting you involved in church or Sunday school or Bible studies or in the word, what if they suggested to you one time that, hey, you might want to know Jesus and that was it? You know what I mean? There are mothers who have prayed for countless years and decades for the salvation of their children. I I want us to first count and be ready to understand that just because we share, just because we invite, does not necessarily mean that it's going to yield fruit immediately and that if we're going to do this, we've got to be prepared to be persistent. Now, I don't say persistent in a term like a telemarketer who's calling you four times a day, even though you've told them that you're on the do not call list. But I am talking about being persistent to know that I believe, I believe 
that no matter how long it took, it was worth it. Is one soul worth it to God? It says in the Word that when a sinner becomes a saint, that there's a party in heaven. It's important to God that we are persistent in reaching out to the people on our ever-living list. Pillar four. (sighs) Action. I said earlier that there are seasons for a lot of different things. And I believe that this is a season of action for Oakton. I don't mean action by our pastors. I mean action by me and action by you. And I want us to realize as we're taking this action of doing what God has called us already to do, that there's going to be investment to be made. I'm not just talking about um, your pocketbook. Now, you know what? If you invite someone to lunch with you so that you can commune with them, it might cost you a lunch, or there could be other kinds of things relative to money. But I I want you to realize that for some people, it's going to require an investment of your time. More than likely, most who are going to make a decision to come to Oakton to to be in relationship with Jesus Christ is going to require that there was an investment made by you. Not for everybody will the investment period or process be exactly the same. You may leave this place today And you might see someone that you say, hey, you know what? Um, Church wasn't so good today, but usually it's great. I want you to come with me next week. And and, and, and they just say yes. Maybe that's it. And they show up. But you know what? For some people, the only way that's going to happen is if we go and pick them up. For some people, it might only happen if there was something else involved in it. Hey, you know what? If you'll Come with me to church, I'll pick you up, and we'll go have lunch together afterwards, or we'll do an activity or whatever it is. And I just want you to be mindful that there is going to be investment required in order to reach into people's lives and to meet them where they need. True? (sighs) Objection handling. I um, have been involved in the world of selling for a very, very long time, and I'll tell you a truth, no matter how good or bad that you are at selling, if you can't get used to rejection, you're going to fail real fast, and you're going to want to quit immediately. And there's, there's a number of reasons why rejection happens, but the one that I want to address today is objection, which to me is a completely different term than rejection. First of all, you need to put this truth on that when you are rejected, you think that you're being rejected, but you're not. It's Jesus Christ who is being rejected. It isn't your job to convince people, to win people. It's your job to share the truth of Jesus Christ in your personal relationship with him, right? So objection is something that we're going to face when we go out into the world to share with people. 
I'll give you a few just as a quick example. Well, I'd go to church, but I have to uh, work on weekends. Great, we have Wednesday services. You know, whatever it is, there there is always going to be, you know what? Um, My clothes, I don't feel like, or I don't have the right clothes to come, or it's too early, or my gosh, getting our kids around is too much of an effort. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't. Some form of objection. And I tell you what, if we're not prepared and to realize that we're going to experience the claims of objection, we're going to miss out. You know, but if you know it's coming, if you're already expecting it, then you're prepared to be able to handle it, to not be discouraged by it, to continue in persistence with that and to realize that in some cases there are legitimate reasons why people can't do certain things. I didn't mean to say that someone working on the weekend is wrong. I don't mean that at all. But what I mean is that we going out are going to experience people giving us objection. Be prepared for it. Teamwork is the very next one. I will tell you, unless um, you think that you're God's gift to creation, the reality is that we need other people. We need collaboration. Here's a quiz for you. When Jesus sent out his, the 70 disciples, how did he send them out? Two by twos, right? You know what? If it was good enough for Jesus Christ, it's good enough for me. I believe that in many cases, in order to reach someone wherever their need is, it may be that we only have a certain level of influence in their life. That we need to be partnered together as team members for these list people and to be able to help and to minister to them together in a cooperative way. That makes sense? It's not all your job, but you know what? If you don't do it, who is? You know, it might be that you not only invested in this person, but you figured out who they were connected to in life, and you found another brother or sister, and you reached to them and said, hey, you know what? I really think that we can build up and edify and share this together and experience uh, that, and I believe that it can be more effective than when we alone are trying to reach them. Anyone disagree? The uh, next one, and actually the last one, or the fourth uh, pillar that I put up there, and I really hate the term that I used for it, but I I thought and I thought and I thought about it, and I just couldn't get a better word uh, to use, and I called it close. In the world of selling, we would use close as in you won the deal, you achieved the results that you were looking for, or, you know, the, the end all. And so I left the word up there, but I want to say today that we have to have, if we're going to meet the goals that we set initially, we have to have a way to be able to know, did that happen successfully or not? And the truth is, whether it be in this ministry opportunity or in the world of sales, most of the time that something is not successful, if the right foundation, if the right preparation, the right action has been in place, what is the reason? Why doesn't it happen? Could be. 
Most of the time, church, it doesn't happen because there was never a close. There was never, there was a lead up to, there was all kinds of information, but there wasn't the actual, let's do this. You know, let's say that you told someone about Jesus Christ and how great and wonderful he is and how he's got this plan of salvation and all this stuff, and you never ask them if they wanted to receive Jesus Christ. We might assume that they know how. We might assume that they know that they're welcome to our church. Guess what? Recently, my uh, Uncle Mark had a new neighbor that came into his neighborhood and I think the guy may have been from around here, but uh, anyway, came into his neighborhood and Mark was visiting with him and he, of course, said, hey, you know what, uh, if you like, uh, you're welcome to come to our church and whatever. And do you know that this man who was probably in his 50s or maybe even early 60s confessed to my uncle that he had never been invited to a church as an adult in his life? You think he's the only one? I'm telling you, there are a whole bunch of people out there that don't know what you know. They don't know the way. We can't take them all the way to tell them how good God is. We can't brag on how amazing the praise and worship service is at Oakton. We can't only go that far, we have to go to the close. And we've got to invite them to church. We've got to invite them to receive Jesus Christ or whatever need it is that we're meeting. Keep that in mind. The nature of people is not to want to close. You know why? Because if they never ask, they can never get rejected. If they reject you... They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the message of the cross. Jesus told us it was going to be that way. Priest team, if you would, um, start making your way up. I want to make sure that we have plenty of time for, for altar today. You know, um, when I was thinking about this message today, I thought about this very time that we were going to have together. And um, you may have your own reasons for why you choose either to go to the altar, stay in your seat, do nothing. Whatever it is that you choose, you may have your own but I considered a few that I wanted to share with you, and even though they're written up there, I want to cover it with you. Maybe you want to go to the altar because you realize a need to begin by developing a foundation so that you can be effective at ministering for Him. You know, we can't get this out of order, right? I can't lay a foundation after I've already, you know, done preparation. I can't, you know, it needs to be in the right order. And so for some of us, we need to develop the why, God, why? What is, what is it that you're putting inside of me that makes this why 
greater than anything that would hold me back from doing it. You know, here's a truth, and I'm not, I'm not uh, accusing anyone because I'm as guilty as anyone else. But I really believe that if we took the time to develop our why, it would be overwhelming. It would invade our thoughts. It would keep us on track. It would cause us to be focused on our goals. So maybe that's you. Maybe it is that um, we need to seek the Holy Spirit to lead us in preparation for this ministry that we're doing. Maybe it's that we need to ask Jesus to give us the passion that he has for the lost and dying world. Man, it's easy in today's world to become unpassionate about people and their situations and their lives. Maybe it's for the Lord to be with me in action as we go about our role in furthering his kingdom here. For whatever reason that it might be, I want to invite you that the altars are open today. If you'd like, you can pray alone or I'm up here, Landon's here, if you'd like someone to pray with you.